0: Thanks, Kat. That was wonderful. Guys, yeah, thanks for coming tonight. I really appreciate you making the time to look at another screen today. Um, And just for this semester, you know, not the semester any of us had uh, hoped for or planned on. But uh, just, yeah, it's been really great uh, spending time with you guys in the ways that we can. And we've just... uh, made our way through all of the Sermon on the Mount now. We're wrapping it up tonight, and, um, you know, this is Jesus's main teaching. This is his most famous sermon, and so uh, it's been so good to work through it, and I, I just love kind of studying it and sharing with you guys. And if you've been here, you know that uh, the Sermon on the Mount is about Jesus's kingdom, and it's about this big idea that... Jesus has come to usher in his kingdom and that we live in a world that's not the way it's supposed to be. You don't have to look around far to notice that. And because it's not the way it's supposed to be, Jesus's kingdom will look really different from the way our world operates. But it's wonderful. Uh, And it's worth uh, giving all of yourself to. And so we're wrapping it up tonight. And we're just going to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 29, the very end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount tonight. And then we're going to open it up for some Q&A time. Uh, So uh, let's see here. There we go. Let me read it for us. Uh, This is, again, Jesus talking to his disciples. Uh, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Uh, Anytime you hear any kind of presentation of information or a message, uh, usually what you're looking for in the end is like, okay, well, what's the point? What's the bottom line? And uh, in that is what Jesus is doing here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, uh, I've, I've taught all, on all these topics. You know, we looked at topics like lust and anger and money and anxiety. And he's, he's taught on all these things. But the bottom line, he says, at the end of his sermon is this. He says, the bottom line is that the lives of, lives of those who are part of God's kingdom, they're marked by an internal transformation That shows itself externally. Right? So that's the kind of, we're gonna look at this in two parts today. We're gonna look at internal and external, the internal life of a disciple, and then the outward kind of commitments of a disciple. So, first of all, I want us to look at the internal life of a disciple. And what you have to remember in this section of teaching is, you know, in verse 22, it says, On that day, Jesus is talking about judgment day. Remember last week we were talking about judge, judgment in the last couple weeks. And um, Jesus says on that day, and he means judgment day, which is, you know, not the most popular idea. But this is the point where you have to kind of say, you know, Jesus isn't just about like doing some right things. Like either Jesus is crazy Or he's the king and you have to listen to what he says. Uh, He's kind of given this bottom line. And in this bottom line, what he says is, uh, you know, he says, some people are going to say to me like, Lord, Lord, didn't we did all these things for you? And he's going to say, I never knew you. And what that means is a couple things. First of all, it means that on that day, when you meet Jesus face to face, you can't rely on having correct beliefs. Like some people say to me, Lord. You know, you can know that Jesus is Lord, and that can not be enough. Um, you also can't rely on being passionate, right? Lord, Lord. He repeats it like, Lord, Lord, Lord. Uh, being passionate on its own won't get you anywhere with Jesus. And you can't even rely on god using you like doing christian ministry work because uh, there's these people jesus says that are going to say like lord lord we did all these amazing things in your name and jesus says i never knew you um, the biggest example of that that we know of in the bible is judas the disciple that betrayed jesus you guys know that story uh, jesus said one of you will betray me and you know what the strangest thing about that was is that None of the disciples, you know, like, they weren't like, it's Judas, we know, like, he's, he's a jerk, you know, like, they didn't know, no one, it was a surprise to everyone, that Judas wasn't one of them. uh, Because on some level, God had used even Judas. Um, So, you can't rely on God using you. And you can't be like, oh, God used me, so I'm good to go. Um, Salvation. Knowing Jesus is about a restored relationship with God that happens through Jesus. Uh, Do you have, in other words, a relationship with Jesus? Do you know him? Are you getting to know him? Are you being shaped by him and his ideas and what he thinks? And the way to test ourselves is to look below the surface which is something none of us like to, you know, like peel back, the, peel, flip over the rock and see everything that's underneath it. Uh, do this counterintuitive work of like examining myself. Uh, you know, what do I really think about God? Do I love him? Sometimes, you know, what are the ways I feel wounded by him? Um, what's really going on in my heart as it relates to God? And oftentimes I'm afraid to kind of like look at that in myself because I'm afraid of what I'll find. Uh, in my house, we have this room. It's a little room off our living room that we call the room of requirement, like uh, from Harry Potter, because it's this room where we just throw all our junk. Uh, it's like this room that's kind of too small. We actually recently converted it into Margot's schoolroom because of COVID. But for a long time, it was just this like extra room and we just threw all our stuff in it and the good thing about it is you could close the door so like as long as the door was closed it didn't matter it's just like whatever extra stuff we had that like we didn't know we wanted to keep it but like we don't want to see it right now throw it in the room of requirement and it's amazing because you can just like totally forget that it's there even it's still there we don't have to deal with it though our hearts are so much like that Um, what's really going on in my heart, uh, the ways I'm hurt, the shame and guilt I feel, uh, the way that I can sense that my relationship with the one who made me is strained. Um, Okay, the good news of the gospel, the good news that Jesus has brought in in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where he started at the very beginning is uh, there's a place in the kingdom for really messed up people. Because he starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Blessed are the ones who just don't have what it takes on their own. Blessed are those not who are righteous now, but who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Uh, In other words, righteousness, being on the right path, being right with God starts with bankruptcy. And it cannot start anywhere else. Like that's Jesus's point in this sermon. You can only meet Jesus in humility. If you show up with pride, if you show up with, hey, Jesus, look look at me. Look, look what I've done for you. Uh, it won't actually get you anywhere with him. But if you come with nothing, you'll be Transformed. There's nothing better than being known and loved by this king, by Jesus. And this is why, you know, in our, one of the stories that just gets told over and over and over in our culture is Cinderella. Uh, you know, it's, it's a specific fairy tale story, but it just gets told all the time. And it gets translated into like sports too. Like uh, if you watch college basketball, then you know that in March Madness, like the, the lower seated teams are called Cinderella teams. And it's just the most amazing thing when they win. Or if you watched like sports team movies growing up, like I did, uh, you know, the team with all like the losers that like somehow is able to win. Like that's a Cinderella story. Uh, so whether it's the actual Cinderella story or some other form of it, like we love these stories because deep down we know it's our story. Uh, we know, uh, my only chance is if there's like someone if god is like this if he loves messed up people like somehow somehow the messed up people the people that don't have a lot get in and the reason we love it is it's it's the true story we were made for it um you know someone who knows the real me but still wants me somehow um That's the gospel. That's the internal story of a disciple, according to Jesus. And to be in a relationship with Jesus means to know this depth of love for the unlovely that's only found in him and to know it at our core and have it change all of us. Uh, So that's the internal life of the disciple. That's the bottom line. That's got to be your story. But I want to look now at the outward commitments of a disciple, and Jesus uses this amazing illustration of uh, building a house, you know, building a house on the rock versus building a house on the sand. And I want you to think about the image of building a house uh, because uh, it's an investment. Like building a house is an investment. And the first thing you do when you build a house is you look at the place where you're going to build it and you say, is it going to be a good place you know because i got to buy all these building materials i got to sink all this money into this project and i need to know uh, that it's a good place to just like invest it all put all my resources on to this spot it's an investment Uh, if you follow if you're like into investing i don't know if anyone's into investing at all but right now one of the big stories in investing is the app doordash you know, like the food delivery app, and it's going to go public soon. And they're thinking that it's going to be worth, uh, you know, when it goes public, it'll probably be valued at about $25 billion. And what that means is that, you know, you guys, any of you guys could invest in DoorDash. And the way you would make that decision is you would look at that valuation and say, you know, $25 billion. I bet that can be worth $50 billion in two years. And what that would mean is I could double any money I invest in it. And whether you invest has everything to do with if you think it's worth more than $25 billion. Like if you knew that for sure, you would put all your money in it because it would only make money for you. Uh, Me personally, like I don't I will not be investing in DoorDash because I have no clue what it's worth. And so it wouldn't make sense for me to invest. Uh, But that's how Jesus wants us to think about him and his kingdom. Uh, Do you know what it's worth? And if so, is that where you will plant? Is that where you will throw all of your resources? Uh, Jesus wants to think about what we're investing our lives in as he brings this sermon to a close. And what he wants us to be investing in is the kingdom, Jesus's kingdom, uh, that what the, where this world is headed, what life is all about, is that there is a good king and he's come to rescue us. Uh, Christians are people who believe that the kingdom of God is the only thing you can count on. Everything else is just going to not last, but the kingdom uh, will. Uh, so what does it look like to invest in the kingdom? Well, it affects every area of life. Like what we've seen in this whole sermon is that uh, the effects of being transformed by Jesus just radiate out into every area of life, like how you treat people, for instance. Uh, what, we, what we've seen is that if Jesus is the judge, then what that means is I don't need to get justice now, which means I can love people that hurt me and I can love my enemies and I can learn to be merciful to people. Uh, it affects what you do with your resources, your time, your money, whatever else you have. Uh, because, you know, you know, if I'm part of the best kingdom imaginable, then I don't need that stuff. Like, I got it already. Uh, I don't have to hoard everything I have. Uh, I don't have to live for status or money or comfort or setting myself up or anything uh, because I'm already ultimately rich. I'm already ultimately loved by the King. Uh, It changes your approach to community. Uh, RUF is all about community, like Taylor was saying earlier. And the reason that is, is because we are now in Christ, secure in God's love. And what that means is that it changes the way I relate to everyone. Like, I don't need to use people. I can love them instead. I can give to them Uh, Because the kingdom is all about community, because community is what will last. It's worth investing my time into. It's worth uh, enjoying as a foretaste of what's to come. Uh, So, if you call yourself a Christian, uh, the difficult question you need to ask yourself is, how are the things I'm investing my life in any different than any of the people around me? Uh, Or if someone saw the way I spend my time, my money, what I think about, how I treat people, would they know that I was all in on the kingdom of God? That I had just invested everything in Jesus, in his kingdom, that it was the ultimate reality behind my life. Now, why does it matter? Why does it matter this idea of like you got to invest in the kingdom and what jesus says is the reason it matters is because life is full of storms Uh, the image is that uh you know you build the house and then a storm comes and you know if you guys don't know this already life is full of storms i know a lot of life kind of felt like a storm for many of us in the last uh six months or so and uh life is just full of storms and storms can come up very quickly and storms can be really messy and if you're not anchored to something solid Jesus says a storm will sweep you away You know, part, like we live in a, you guys know how anxious of a time we live in. And part of the reason this time we live in and the college kind of culture these days is so anxious is because we all have this sense that a storm is coming. Like a big storm, like a life storm. And it's just looming. And so we all wonder like, will my grades hold me up? Will my career path hold me up? Will, like my attractiveness what i have to offer will that hold me up like will things like my family hold me up what is going to hold me up uh, can i hold myself up like you know can i kind of build my own kingdom can i just kind of like through self sufficiency just kind of like hold myself up and all of those things have the potential to hold you up for a long time like some of them like you know having a lot of money or being really successful or having people love you, like that can hold you up for a long time. But here Jesus says it won't hold you up forever. And the reason, again, is because the ultimate storm that Jesus is referring to is that there's going to be a judgment day. This is a really unpopular idea in our culture. I'm aware of that. Uh, But it is what the Bible teaches, that there will be a day when the judge will come. And we'll all have to face that. And, you know, only those, what Jesus teaches is that those who are in the kingdom, those that say Jesus is the king, he's my king. Yes, Jesus, you're my king. And for, you know, the people for whom that's actually true will stand in that judgment. Uh, But we don't know when that's going to be. And so, you know, in the meantime, there's all this stuff, you know, I've got a lot going on. I need something solid. You know, like, seems like there's a lot of things besides Jesus that are going to help me in the meantime that are going to hold me up and so the big question is how can we make the investment like you know i live in this world now how can i really invest it all in the kingdom in jesus the answer that jesus is giving all through here is because there's no one like the king there's no one like jesus uh One of the Psalms in the Bible, Psalm 75, depicts Judgment Day. And the way it depicts it is it says that God is holding a cup. And it's a cup of wrath. It's a cup of judgment. It says it's this foaming cup. And it says, the wicked of the earth will drink it to the dregs. It's a scary image of judgment. Uh, God judges because he hates judgment sin he hates that our world is messed up he hates that people treat each other so poorly he hates that there's just these systems that are broken in our world he hates all that stuff and that's why he's coming as the judge to make it right and so the problem for us though is that you know we do those things too you know how will we stand in the judgment And the answer that Jesus gives later in Matthew, if you were to flip ahead to say Matthew chapter 26, where you would see is Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, praying to his father and saying, is there any other way that that we can do this, that we can save them without me drinking this cup? He's talking about the same cup in Psalm 25, the cup of wrath. And there's no answer. And Jesus says, well, then I'll drink the cup. Because I want them. You know, the kingdom like, is about bringing them in, this group. You know, the Cinderella's, the underdogs, these people that we, that God actually loves, uh, need to come into this kingdom. And so I'll drink the cup. And he did. And what it looked like was hanging on the cross, suffocating to death, crying out to the father, and there's no answer. That's the real storm. And he does it for us. He does it because he wants you. How different is that than the notion that like, oh, God's probably like irritated with me and just annoyed with me and he doesn't like me. And, you know, he, he just like wishes I would go away. How different is that? No. Jesus is the rock. There's no one like him. There's no one who loves like he does. And so you need to invest everything you have in him. And that will be true life. Uh, Let me close our time in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we Uh, struggle to invest in the kingdom it's just hard for us Uh, you know how weak we are you know the different things that compete for our love and how attractive those things seem much of the time Uh, we pray that you would change our hearts from the inside out and that you'd make us into the kind of people uh, that you created us to be uh, and that we will be forever in your kingdom Uh, Bless these students as they wrap up a challenging semester. Uh, Give them endurance uh, for the final bit and to finish well and uh, give us all great rest over this season and be at work to make things right in our world, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.